1: I'm Melissa Lee and this is Fast Money. Tonight's trader lineup, Guy Adami, Tim Seymour, Pete Najarian and Steve Grosso dashing through the snow. DoorDash slaying it in its public debut. We're now awaiting pricing on Airbnb. We will bring you the numbers as soon as they cross. Plus, Starbucks shares on the move in the after hours we will tell you what the company said about the future that gave this stock a jolt. And later, hackers take aim, FireEye dropping 12%. The company hit with a highly sophisticated attack by a foreign government. So, If a cybersecurity giant like FireEye is vulnerable to hackers, is anything safe? We'll bring you all the details. But first, we start off with tech taking a tumble. The Nasdaq falling nearly 2% for its worst day since October 30th. The Nasdaq 100 ETF, the Q's breaking 11 straight days of gains. And just look at some of the big moves from big tech. Amazon and Apple falling more than 2%. So is today's weakness a healthy pullback or the beginning of something bigger? Tim Seymour, I'll start off with you.
2: Well, was was the pullback that we had on September second, which was 14%, and I don't know, eight or nine sessions. Was that healthy? Um, we came back to to set new highs. So, um, I, I, none of this should be taken as an alarm. Uh, if you think about it, semis were down 3%, yet are still up 4% over the last five trading sessions. I I, I think you know, look, the 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 DoorDash IPO and the Airbnb pricing kind of have this feel of 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 ringing a bell of sorts but um i I just think if you looked look if you you saw the high momentum tech stocks and that includes tesla uh a zoom you know a peloton you name it um they were down significantly today and it just felt like it was a day to take a little momentum off while everybody looked at you know what was really an an absurd and i absurdly positive of course uh for for doordash but nonetheless it does tell you where the froth is
1: Could it be, Guy Adami, do you think, a ringing of the bell? I mean, after 11 straight days of records, which is where this show yesterday started off, I wasn't here, but I was watching, watching you all all the time. Um, And and plus the the apparent frothiness in the IPO market. I'm not going to cast judgment on whether it's froth or if it's justified. But what do you think about that notion of ringing the bell here?
3: First of all, I know you weren't watching. I also know that if I asked you who Nigel Tufnell was, you would have no idea, like Dominic Chu, which was pathetic, by the way, Dom, if you're watching. And I think it's, I think it's, it's, so, it's so obvious that you know DoorDash could be ringing the bell that it's probably not. I'm sort of in the Tim camp that it's a healthy thing. And I think in terms of the tech trade, and kudos to Steve Grasso, by the way, who's been on this rotation, I think you're looking for opportunities to where to get in or get back in, specifically a name like Alphabet. Which you know again go back to the quarter they reported a month and a half or so ago. That was a historic quarter for them, and I've said I said it that night. I've said it a couple times since. I think you can make an argument that the alphabet at these current prices is cheaper is cheaper than it was on a valuation basis two months ago. So to me. The market's giving you a shot at buying some of these names that got away from you at better uh, prices and valuations.
1: Steve, as somebody who got out of these names, are you looking to get back in? And, and I would point to the disparity in performance today between the NASDAQ, which, which tumbled, as we mentioned, almost 2%, uh, the Russell and the S&P 500, which emerged from the day with losses about eight-tenths of 1%. So very different. So it's really technology feeling the pain here.
4: Right. So if you look at it, you know, this is not a blip that I'm looking for. I'm looking for the outperformance of tech over uh, value has been going on for about 10 years now, maybe longer. So for me, I'm looking for an outperformance for the next year or so. Now, I'm not looking for an outperformance for a week or so. So what was it today? You know, you mentioned a lot of good reasons. JP Morgan said that Tesla was overvalued. That's been going on forever now. If we look at the antitrust case with Facebook, that's another reason. We saw Zoom downgrades. That's another reason. Where are you going to get your quote-unquote value? Diversified chemicals. You know the names that I've been in. TSE, WRK, OLN. These are names. And then if you look at Capri Holdings, you want to look for companies that are levered to Europe. Not just here. Because I do believe the reflation trade is on. That's why value will continue to outperform. And I think that the market is overlooking the chances for the Democrat to take the Senate. If that happens, value will outperform grossly. Market will sell off a knee jerk reaction market. Everything will sell off.
1: Mm -hmm. I think we're having problems with Steve Grasso there. We'll go to Pete, though. Pete, I know you like a deal. I mean, you're a Max maxinista. You shop at yeah. TJ Maxx and, you know, all these deal places. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, but you're primarily a momentum guy. So going into your end, where is the momentum in this market, in a market where it seems like technology is is sort of going sideways at this point or, or hitting, hitting some sort of ceiling? Yeah,
5: yeah you're exactly right, Mel. And, and technology's hit a pause. And I do think it's a healthy pause. Well, we've watched what's really been propelling the the nasdaq to the upside it's been semiconductors it's been biotech which have both been at all-time highs and it seems like the semis almost every single day have made a new high so yeah there are different pieces of the market as as we move forward but i think there are a lot of different areas mel that we've seen for the last four five six weeks now it's financials it's industrials there's a lot of different areas of the market basic materials when you look at a lot of these various areas, you are really seeing a nice swift move to the upside. And so I like what we've seen there. I think it's healthy to see a little bit of the diversion away from certain areas. And, 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 and Tim was exactly right. I mean, the pressure that was on today, on Zoom, on Tesla, on all of these names, and then throw in some of the big tech names on the big pull off as well from where they just just had ran to. I mean, a great example was even Apple. I, I, I like Apple. I, I think that it's done a lot of things the right way in terms of the improvements it got down to 105 then started moving to the upside again and got up towards that 125 area but taking a healthy pause makes some sense to me Mel so I think there are a lot of areas of the market that are still working very very well and I think those are where the opportunities are and I think you have to be very selective when it comes to technology because those overgrowth names that have absolutely no PEs because there is no P. Uh, it, th- those are the ones that I think, uh, or E rather. I-, I think those are the ones that I'd be a little bit nervous of. I think I'd be staying
2: away from some of those high flyers.
1: Tim, do you have a question? You were raising your hand.
2: Well, I, I just, you know, <laughs> Pete, were you staying away from the beach today? It looked like you were doing the halftime report from, from the beach. And were you wearing sunscreen out there? I'm just curious. <laughs>
5: It was a wonderful day here. I'm down in yeah, Florida. I'm absolutely loving it. And, but uh, but I will tell you, um, I just had dolphins jumping behind me here. So you might see some dolphins while we're doing the show behind <laughs> us because there was a, a family of them going You're by just man. a little while ago. We will be watching. that. Yeah, for sure. I, I know
1: Guy's a, a big dolphin lover. I mean, it started with Flipper way back when. Uh, Guy, I want to ask you, though, I mean, for, for a lot of people in the markets, they're, they're looking at the sell-off in, in some of those high-momentum names that Grasso was talking about, the Zooms, the Teslas of the world, and then they see the... the amazing performance of a DoorDash on its first day. So how do, you, how do you reconcile that? What does that tell you about the market we're in right now?
3: Listen, you can make an argument that the reason why you saw that big sell-off in Zoom and some of these other names was maybe there was money ge- going out of there into a DoorDash. I mean, that's one explanation Ap- amongst many, by the way. I mean, I, it, it, the DoorDash, this is very similar to Snowflake. We saw when they priced and then the subsequent where the stock was trading, I mean, I can wax poetic about how poorly I think these things are priced and what a disservice they're doing to the retail group. But we'll talk about that later. I just think in terms of the names you just mentioned, Peach said it and Tim said it. I think Steve said it as well. It's just a healthy pullback in a market that's probably gotten itself a bit over its skis. It doesn't mean these stocks aren't investable or tradable. And I will continue to go back to some of these names, specifically Google, because, again, if you sort of dissect their quarter, Uh, You know, I will say out of all the quarters I've seen doing this show for a long time now, that's got to be a top five quarter. And I think when when things normalize again and people realize the balance sheet, they have the number of levers they can pull. uh, Alphabet is one of those names. that's probably going to be, you know, we'll talk about the next two trillion club. I think that could be one of the names in it.
1: Pete, what's your uh, what's tops your list on tech names to buy right now?
5: Well, I think some of, the, some of the quality names that are pulling back a little bit, we're seeing some positive momentum in terms of the options world, uh, Mel, in a variety of these names, whether it be Microsoft or Apple or some of these names, as they've eased back. Even today, I saw some very positive paper in Apple, but they're going out, they're buying a little bit of time, so I think those quality names, whether, you know, whether we're looking at a Google, we're looking at an Apple, we're looking at Microsoft, any of those names, and I know we're going to talk about Facebook later on as well because of some of the issues today. So I think there are some opportunities out there, Mel, in some of these quality names. I still like Salesforce, but I'll tell you what, it does start to feel a little bit more lofty all the time as I look at some of these names because some of them just have not pulled back quite enough, and I'm sort of waiting for that opportunity.
1: All right. Uh, we mentioned the IPO market and DoorDash. We are awaiting details on Airbnb's IPO pricing. So let's get to Leslie Picker with the latest. Leslie
6: Melissa, people familiar with the matter tell me that Airbnb's bankers, its board management have been on a call, oh, for about 10 minutes at this point, a meeting where they'll really hone in on where they think that IPO price should be. This one, Should price above expectations, that's really the chatter on the street right now. I'm told that the big jump in DoorDash's IPO today is causing a lot of FOMO. Many investors didn't get allocation in the IPO, even though they tried. So now they're going to try harder at higher prices for Airbnb. Now, above the range, Airbnb is seeking to raise more than $3 billion at a valuation greater than $42 billion on a fully diluted basis. That's more than double where the company was valued in an emergency funding round just in April as the pandemic initially caused a huge drop in their bookings. But in the July, August, September quarter, Airbnb's business really snapped back in a big way, pulling in $1.3 billion on the top line during the third quarter alone, although that figure is still about 18% shy of 2019 levels. Now, despite spending most of the year with losses, Airbnb actually even enjoyed a profitable third quarter this year. So Airbnb plans to list on the NASDAQ, under the symbol ABNB, and shares are expected to begin trading tomorrow. Melissa.
1: All right, Leslie, thank you. Leslie Picker with the latest. Airbnb's offering comes after, of course, we mentioned this, today's monster debut by DoorDash. That stock up more than 85% from its IPO price, but after such a big jump, is it too late for investors, retail investors, investors like you, to get in? Apparently not. Take a look at this stat from Renaissance Capital. Of the more than 200 companies that have gone public this year, The average day one pop has been 30%, but they have gained more than 25% after that first day pop for a total return of nearly 70%. Grasso, in years past, we've talked about the retail investor holding the bag, and here we are. If If you actually bought after that first day, you would have been in the money.
4: Yeah. So what happens is people get when you have a market that's up 13 percent, we were going off a cliff, basically, in any environment, people try to outperform whatever their benchmark is. And the way to do that is to go further out on the risk curve. And a lot of these IPOs are quasi risky. You don't know what they're going to do. You don't know what their money making ability is going to be. And you don't know like a DoorDash They don't make money. But when you look at Airbnb, behaviors have changed the same way that we buy in big box and we buy in bulk, people are not going to go to the same vacations that they did once before. So I think this one has actually a better shot at making it than it would have pre-pandemic.
1: It is a perfect time for a DoorDash or an Airbnb to go public. Um, Guy Adami, we broadly talked about the IPOs this year. Is there one or two? Are there one or two that you would consider buying now at this point? Well, the
3: Snowflake one, you know, it it made no sense to me, but it's becoming more and more apparent that that's an interesting company. And I think, listen, I do think at a price, DoorDash is going to be interesting as well. I, I just think a lot of these names, you know, have gotten a little ahead of themselves. I do think it was Peloton this year. If it was last year, I apologize. But, you know, Peloton's had a lot of things thrown at them. A lot of arrows uh, shot their way recently, and they seem to be sort of fending them off rather well. So... If Peloton was in fact this year, and a lot's happened this year, PTON is
2: the one that I would look to, Mel.
1: Yeah, Tim. Just quickly, your top IPO of the year?
2: Well, Palantir, I, I bought three weeks ago, and and to me, it was just about the 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 power of their AI and the power of of their client base, which it, on some level is maligned because it was just such a, a a smaller but extremely powerful and and you know. Government-based group of clients, but I, you know, as you see, that's been widening out. And again, some of the mandates that they've had in a world um, where I, I just think, in the enterprise and, and the power of their platform, that was a name that, to me, um, it, look relative to where software is trading. Um, you, you know, I, I think you had the ability to look at some relative value, believe it or not. But software has been insane. It's been you know, off the charts priced. Yep.
1: Coming up in after hours, Java Jolt. Starbucks is on the move. We'll tell you what the company said about the future that got this stock percolating. And later, the epic battle breaking out on Wall Street over the world's most valuable company. Two Wall Street titans with two completely different takes on where Apple is headed. We'll duke it out when Fast Money returns.
0: Imagine earning a degree that prepares you with real skills for the real world. Capella University's programs teach skills relevant to your career so you can apply what you learn right away. Learn how Capella can make a difference in your life at capella.edu.
1: Welcome back to Fast Money. Starbucks shares are rising in the after hours. As we start to get some headlines out of the company's investor day, Kate Rogers got all the details.
7: Kate. Hey, Melissa. Well, Starbucks reiterating its 2021 guidance, but it's updating some of its targets for the long term. A lot of numbers here. We'll take you through them. So the coffee giant says it sees its long-term EPS rising between 10 and 12 percent. That's an increase from the previously guided uh, of at least 10 percent growth that the company gave back in 2018. It also says that beginning in 2023, it will expect ongoing revenue growth of between eight and 10%. That's also one percentage point higher than what was previously guided. The company adding that in 2023, it will begin to expect company same-store sales growth of between four and 5% annually, both globally and in the United States. In China, it will be projecting same-store sales growth of between two and 3%, Both of those targets are also updated from previous guidance here to a higher range. Now, its global store portfolio expected to grow by approximately 6% starting in 2022. That's gonna be fueled by new unit investment returns. This is a bit lower than the previous uh, range that the company had given out. Beyond that, the company saying it is rolling out oat milk nationwide. Many people are fans of those plant-based milk alternatives. It also gave an update to what its portfolio of store mix will look like moving forward. Right now, about 35% of stores are either pickup or drive through. They say that in the next few years, that'll go up to about 45% by 2023, mostly drive through units. Also some uh, pickup units will also be uh, added into the mix as consumer preferences, rather, continue to change. CEO Kevin Johnson also adding that Congress needs to take action, uh, talking about a stimulus bill in the Q&A here, saying obviously Starbucks is weathering the storm. He seemed really positive about what the company will be able to do uh, to cater to new and changing consumer preferences, Melissa, but he did acknowledge that, you know, many smaller and independent companies are struggling right now.
1: Back over to you. They sure are. Kate, thank you, Kate Rogers. So a lot in that in terms of, uh, you know, revenue updates, geographical updates. Oat milk updates. Tim Seymour, I know you're very excited about that. Um, you've been a long-term shareholder. What do you like Love most? I, yeah,
2: I mean, guys, the almond milk guy. I'm I'm pretty standard on my coffee, but but if if you if you listen to those numbers, the fact that they're going to grow their their stores 70 percent to 55,000 units by 2030. Um, and, and yet they're talking about G&A reductions and significant reductions that I think are showing some of the efficiencies that are coming from this, this royalty program and their digital sales and curbside. And, and I, I just think it's such a well-run company. Kevin Johnson, uh, when he ascended to the head of that company, he came with that, that mojo of, of being the, kind of the chief operating guy. And, and meanwhile, their ticket prices and, and what they're getting on ticket size is extraordinary. So, again, 4 to 5% global comp sales growth out the next few years uh, when they're growing their global footprint is really exciting as a longtime Starbucks shareholder. So I thought we got a lot here today.
1: Yeah. Uh, I didn't know your, your extra foam guy was almond milk foam. Uh, now you can try oat milk foam. Huh.
3: Does terrible things to my constitution <laughs> without getting into great detail. Just wanted you to know. But the fact that Starbucks has clarity out to 2023, I think they're deserved of, the, <laughs> they're deserved of the uh, valuation <laughs> that they get. And that's the knock against Starbucks for a while is their valuation. I don't think that's a problem. I think you stay long against. I think it was the July 26 high, which was like 99 and a half or so, and I think this is getting ready to take the next leg higher. Um, my constitution notwithstanding
1: i've always wondered how you milk an <laughs> almond or milk an oat um, by the way can't miss interview tomorrow in squawk box with starbucks ceo kevin johnson you can catch it exclusively 8:30 a.m eastern time coming up a big money throwdown. two major wall street firms taking opposing views on apple are more record highs ahead or has this trade turned sour the first is housing unstoppable here we've got a red hot real estate hat trick for you next much more fast money straight ahead Welcome back to Fast Money. It's a housing hat trick. Three big bullish stories in the home front. First up, shares of RH on the move in the after hours on earnings. The company reporting a beat on the top and the bottom lines. Meantime, lows cranking higher today after the company upped its guidance. CEO Marvin Ellison speaking at an investor meeting today, saying the company's best days are still ahead. And mortgage rates continue to tumble, borrowing costs hitting another all-time low. That is the 14th time that has happened this year. So, Tim, the tool man Seymour. I, I just read that, I didn't, that's <laughs> not me. Um, is this as good what, as it what, gets for what, the housing trade? I? I wasn't calling you a t- I mean, whatever. How do you feel about
2: housing? Look, I mean, some might really be proud of that nickname. I I, I tell you what, I I think if I look at the housing market and I look at this trade, um, the home improvement names are the names that keep on giving and you should be buying weakness. Now, with Lowe's, uh, you had some weakness after numbers and you actually had, I think, some trading weakness that was even started with with, uh, uh, some same store sales comps that were not great. But again, that move below 150 was a chance to buy it. The fact that the the trends that they've seen in terms of their digital business and also uh, their investment. Into, uh, into technology and infrastructure and ERP um, still trades at a discount to, to Home Depot. Um, I think it, after a year of outperformance, frankly, of Home Depot, though, uh, I don't think that the trade is necessarily decidedly in favor of Lowe's. It's in both of these names. Um, and, and I think it's a very exciting time with interest rates at zero. I know we're going to sp- spend more time on that part of the conversation, but the home improvement trade is not just a COVID trade and a stay home trade. It's a trade with people who have equity in homes with zero interest rates.
1: How much higher can home prices go, though, at this point, Steve Grasso? I mean, we've heard reports that rentals are coming back and rents may have hit a bottom. Uh, And and here we are talking about higher prices. Doug Yearly, the CEO of Toll Brothers, yesterday in the call said buyers are getting sticker shock.
4: Yeah, I think these all have run a little bit too far. I, I, I was a big fan of the home builders. I'm not in any currently. I think that, you know, you have to get... Even though they're a quasi-value plate for me, they're too domestic-facing uh, as well. And you've seen a lot of these names run. I, I do like D.R. Horton because they're a spec builder. So when others have no supply, they do have some supply on the market. But I think rates are going to be rising. So I think you want to avoid them right now. Having said that, with COVID, Melissa, what did people do? They flee the city areas, they flee their apartments, and they wound up buying second homes so they wound up buying homes that were outside the city centers i think there was a large pull forward and if you look at every one of these charts they have all rolled over so i wouldn't be jumping in i think that people have got their big bang for their buck i wouldn't be investing in them currently
1: they flee to the suburbs and they buy oversized sofas and armoires and they hire contractors (laughs) guy to fix up uh... you know the roof um, that's what we're seeing in, in RH after the bell and what we saw in Lowe's as well in terms of Marvin Ellison targeting the pro customer.
3: Yeah, it's going to be fascinating to see what the market does with the Restoration Hardware quarter. I thought it was very good margin improvement. They had an inventory build, I think, of about 16%, but you had the sales growth close to 26% to offset that. To me, suggests you're going to see continued margin improvement. I understand that at a certain point, uh, people are going to not be able to buy those 13-foot couches for 11 grand a pop. I get it. But right now it seems to be working. And some of the things that Steve just said, Mel, I know you're a fan of this because you went to the Harvard. It had a little uh, Thomas Wyatt in it. And if you indulge me for a second, uh, the poem, They Flee From Me, Those That Did Me Seek.
1: You're so learned, <laughs> Guy. I mean, it's really amazing what you get on Fast Money when you're on. Thank you. Um, Thank you. Yeah. Pinajury, I'll I make it quick. That. Lowe's
5: or Home Depot? Uh, Given those choices, I'd have to go with Home Depot because I think Lowe's has finally made up some of the ground that they had been missing for a while. But I think Ellison's done an unbelievable job there, Mel. They've done a great job with the digital and obviously the pro. So I think they're doing everything right. I just think at this point in time, Home Depot is the one to own. I think before it was Lowe's a couple of months ago, but now I think it's Home Depot.
1: All right, let's delve deeper into one of the pillars of the strong housing trade, mortgage rates. At record lows. Our next guest is asking, though, if the Fed is propping up the housing market. Let's bring in Peter Bukvar, CIO of Bleakly Advisory Group and a CNBC contributor. Peter, You wrote about this in your note this morning, and of course we know that the Fed buys what? 40 billion dollars in mortgage-backed securities a month, still, even with mortgage rates at low. So what is the Fed's role in all this?
8: Well, now we're seeing annual home price increases of about seven percent. Uh, With CPI running at about one and a half, uh, that's obviously more than four times. So we're seeing home price inflation that's obviously being juiced by low mortgage rates. But we're at the point where the aggressive rise in prices is offsetting the benefit of lower mortgage rates. So there's really no win anymore to the low mortgage rate. And while it's lowering your monthly payments... Uh, That's being offset by the higher principal that you have to pay. In addition to, for that first-time buyer that's trying to save up for that down payment, you annualize 7% increases a year, there's a higher down payment that's needed. So I argue that the purchases that have compressed mortgage rates to such an extent, where the the, the Fannie Mae uh, U.S. Treasury spread in January was about 1 to 2 basis points. It blew out to 70 back in March. And because of Fed buying, they basically compressed it now back to zero. But now that we're inflating home prices, we're at risk at hurting the market rather than helping it, particularly uh, from that first time home buyer.
1: How worried should we be about this, Peter? I'm asking this question because doesn't this ultimately correct itself? Buyers don't, don't keep buying homes um, at 7% year on year increases. They, they cap it. And then people or sellers, I should say, not just people, um, they ratchet down their sales prices. Doesn't this self-correct?
8: I hope that's the case. When you look at over the next five years in housing, the millennials are the biggest demographic powerhouse that is going to drive the housing market. Well, we have to make it affordable for them to buy. And that's not just on the mortgage side, but it's on the price side. So I would argue a healthier housing market would equate to a slower pace of price increases but the fed is going to have to explain themselves that with these sort of price increases that is potentially pricing out that first time buyer and as you mentioned earlier toll brothers ceo saying that buyers are getting sticker shock the fed is going to have to tell us why they think it's a benefit to the market to be buying 40 billion dollars a month in mortgage backed security still and that they own more than a third of that market they're then they're at risk now of japanifying That market by dominating that market to such an extent, it scares off private buyers and they sort of break that market in terms of its functionality.
2: Peter, it's 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 the same as the Fed buying uh, high grade corporate debt. Why are they buying Apple's debt? So I'm totally with you on this. And I think your thoughts are always uh, right out in front on this. What's the next asset that they're targeting? Um, because we we're creating the mother of all housing bubbles uh, we're creating arguably a stock bubble um, and, and when do they get comfortable with what they've done to asset prices even if they claim they have no inflation
8: well we'll know for sure next week because there's obviously chatter that at least on the Treasury side that they're going to extend out the maturities of their QE5 I call it but if they sit and do nothing and they just leave it as is maybe that's their first sign that you know we've done enough for now. And I think in 2021, because we keep in mind, what they're doing now is a COVID world. Next year, we obviously hope, is a post-COVID world with that vaccine. So how is the Fed going to substantiate doing the same exact policy next year that they were doing this year? And ironically, for a while, the Fed was saying, we, we hope to transition our portfolio to mm-hmm. a treasury only and away from mortgage-backed securities. And then, obviously, the first hint of trouble, they're right back in, diving into the mortgage-backed security market to the point that they're dominating it now more so than they did in the early, you know, in 2010.
1: Uh, Just quickly, Peter, what are the odds, in your view, that the Fed uh, doesn't, you know, expand the amount of assets purchased but simply shifted away from mortgage-backed securities to longer-dated treasuries?
8: I I think you, you hit it right on the head right there that that is what they will likely do if they do something, uh, they are not going to be increasing the size of it, uh, but recalibrating it uh, is definitely a possibility as, as, as you speculate.
1: All right. Peter, great to speak with you. Thank you. Thanks, Melissa. Peter Bookvar, I know we, we use the term bubble fairly loosely, but Guy, do you think this is a bubble in that hmm. homeowners have more equity than they did in the past housing bubble um, to the point where they wouldn't be in trouble uh, if rates went higher?
3: Yeah, it's interesting. I'm not going to go that far, but what I will tell you is there's clearly the Fed is creating a bubble in asset prices across many, many different things. I mean, just look at what's going on in Bitcoin. Look at the the, there was a secondary price by micro strategies, I think. And the sole purpose of that uh, secondary was to buy cryptocurrencies. I mean, if that's not a sign of uh, excesses, nothing else is. So I think the Fed has created bubbles across all asset prices i'm not suggesting we're in a housing bubble but we're damn close i think Melbs.
1: what happens steve to the housing trade broadly as we've talked about it whether it be furniture sellers or hardware stores et cetera, if mortgage rates tick higher the fed steps away and allows mortgage rates to go up oh without
4: question all of these stocks come in if you if you look at uh, Lennar's up 29 percent. All, all of these names are up between 20 and 40 percent if you look at the housing market. And in, in, even Home Depot and Lowe's, when we were in the throes of COVID, there were lines around the street uh, at, at my uh, local Home Depot. So there's a lot that was pulled forward. If rates increase, now now l- l- let me give you one caveat. Every housing recovery happens in a rising rate environment. But this is not a housing recovery. This, we pulled forward a lot of that demand. So I think a lot of these stocks come in dramatically.
1: All right, coming up, thinking of giving the gift of athleisure this year. Options traders see Lululemon stretching higher from here. We'll break down that trade. But first, cue the music because we've got another fast pitch on deck. Our next guest says you should buy this stock in bulk. That's a clue. We'll bring you the name when Fast Money returns. Welcome back to Fast Money. Check out shares of Costco. They've had a strong year up 27 percent. The retailer reports earnings tomorrow. Our next guest is calling for a big box breakout. Fast back for another fire fast pitch is Kate Faddis, founder and CEO of Grace Capital. Kate, welcome back.
9: Take it away. Thank you, Mel. Thank you, everyone. I am a big fan of Costco. I think what people don't understand about Costco is that it's not a traditional retailer. It doesn't make money from its products. It makes its money from the fees that it charges, the membership fees. Amazon is not a threat for Costco. It can coexist with Amazon. In fact, half of Costco's members also uh, have memberships with Amazon Prime. The warehouse format is a huge advantage for Costco. In addition to the fact that it actually doesn't have to make money like other grocery stores, wider aisles, higher ceilings in a COVID world is perfect for social distancing. Uh, last thing, you know, the ESG story is great. Uh, They've honored all their commitments um, to their vendors uh, despite COVID. And the valuation, believe it or not, co- uh, uh, Costco has lacked lagged the retail etf this year so there's room to grow in the stock price Tim, you have a question for kate
2: hey kate t- I, I do uh, it's great to have you on again and and i am I'm, I'm a believer in this big box space right now but i'm you're not concerned about amazon how about walmart who also now has you know walmart plus and is playing in a space and i think can dominate on price more than anyone uh, are you concerned there
9: You know, Walmart and Costco, I think together, have been such a great boon for America. They have kept prices down. How they do it, I don't understand, but they're really disciplined. They both have done a great job of keeping prices down for everyone. Costco can coexist with Walmart, and it has for years.
1: All right, Kate, we're going to vote. Thanks for joining us. Good to see Thank you, it. Catherine Faddis of Grace Capital. All right, so are you buying Kate's pitch on Costco, Guy? What do you say? You're a bulk kind of guy.
3: Mel, are you, are you able to? Are you able to read my smart board, Mel? Can you read that it for says, the audience, I please? It says, I believe,
1: faster than lightning. No one you see is smarter than he.
3: Yes, that is correct. That's what it says. And I know Pete Nigerian knows what that is because he mentioned the dolphins flying in the background. And of course, that's the theme song of Flipper, one of my favorite shows. And I just love the fact that Kate is power pitching Costco ahead of earnings tomorrow. That takes huevos. Good for her. I've liked it for a while. I continue to like it. I'm yes,
1: ama- I'm ama- I'm not amazed, actually, that you know the, the words to the Flipper theme song. Um, to, uh, let's go to Pete. Pete, what do you say?
5: Well, I don't have my board with me, Mel, but I will tell you this. I, I, I love the pitch, and I think it is, to Guy's point, a very gutsy pitch going into the numbers tomorrow. But the membership model is something that absolutely makes total sense. My only concern is, have they pulled so much forward? Have they had the advantage that they've had for a while now to bring this stock to where it is right now in terms of a P.E.? That's my one concern, but I love the name, and I do think that they continue to have some strength and work as, uh, with with the WalMarts of the world and the Targets of the world and some of the big boxes. So I do think there's more upside.
1: All right. So you're you're on board with Kate as well, um, Tim. What do you say? I'm on board.
2: Yes. <laughs> um, it, it's clear. A guy bought a, a extra large size of of uh, poetry books at Costco. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I I'm I'm a buyer here. I'm I'm. There's a re-rating going on in this space between the leaders, and, and I think they're, they're getting a multiple that's not only uh, a, a leader of the pack multiple, but somewhat of a digital multiple. Um, I'm a buyer. I'm a buyer. All right, Steve? Clean sweep, and wow. I think
4: that uh, Kate nailed it when she talked about the renewal rates. Uh, Costco is, is, is an annuity, so that membership fee is just what she said. It's an annuity, and the renewal rates are above 90%. The stock technically has been bouncing off its 50-day moving average. So I would be a little more frightened because usually when they report, the stock does come in. But it's trading right around its 50-day moving average. I think it can pop from this area. So I like it. Bye.
1: So this is a rare occurrence the desk has agreed. They like Kate's fast pitch on Costco. The question (laughs) is, do you vote in our Twitter poll at CNBC Fast Money? We will reveal the results later in the show. Coming up, the epic battle breaking out on Wall Street over the world's biggest company, two titans with two different takes on where Apple is headed. Who's got it right? We'll debate that when Fast Money Returns. Welcome back to Fast Money, shares of Lululemon falling today. The company reports results after the bell tomorrow, and options traders think a quick turnaround is in store. Bonoan Isom's got the uh, setup here. Bonoan.
4: How's it going, Melissa? Yeah, so taking a look at Lulu heading into earnings, you can see the calls outpaced puts about one and a half times to one. If you take a look at the at-the-money straddles, you'll see that those are implying about an 8% move in either direction between now and Friday, compared with only about a 5% move on average on earnings. And the trade that really stuck out to me it was a seller of 1,000 of the deck 11. So this Friday, 400 calls at about 435. Your break even is gonna be a 4:435, 4, or about 112% of current spot. This has been a darling in the stay at home trade. Again, just betting that this move will probably be more in line with what we traditionally see around earnings as opposed to the implied option move.
5: Pete, how do you like Lulu? absolutely love it mel i love everything about what they're doing their e-commerce the men's side all of it and you know when you look at their margins and you look at what they're doing this is a this is a phenomenal company now yes the pe looks stretched but when you've got the kind of growth that lulu has right now i look at this and i try to compare it to the nikes and adidas of the world and, and i still think this is the dominant spot now they're not exactly in competition with those names but they certainly are when it comes to some of the athleisure wear that they've got including what everybody's been doing from the stay at home with the clothing that people are buying so i think for a variety of reasons i think this is going to be another big quarter for lulu
1: i have a question guy and that is what happens when people go back to work and wear proper pants i mean i think this is the eternal question facing the work from home trade what happens when one goes back to the office and also even if you stayed at home how many pairs of yoga pants could one possibly own
3: Look, I mean, I'm partial to their briefs without getting into great detail. I don't own their pants, but I know Joe Kernan, who is a he's a huge avid watcher of fast money. I know he goes to work with his Lululemon pants on, and I can't believe he's an anomaly. So I think maybe the norm or the de rigueur, as they say, is going to be wearing Lululemon pants to work. And, oh, by the way, my daughter is sells her used Lululemon pants on one of those sites where you can pack stuff up and ship them out and she gets about just what she paid for them in the first place. Everybody loves Lululemon Mel.
1: That seems like a good trade right there. Good, good for a Lilster. All right. Uh thank you Bonouin, and Bonouin and eisen for more options action. Be sure to tune into the full show Friday, 5.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Up next. The Apple battle. One Wall Street firm says upside is ahead. Another says watch out below. Who is right? We'll have the details next. And later, as Captain Tom Everett said in Caddyshack 2, and you all know I've never watched it, so I'm just reading off the teleprompter right now. Everybody loves mass-produced cream-filled pastries. How prescient. The big call on Twinkies straight ahead.
5: Welcome back to Fast Money. You've heard of the great battles throughout history. The Greeks versus the Trojans. The Hatfields versus the McCoys. The Yankees versus the Red Sox. And Brittany versus Christina. But now, there is a new battle breaking out. Goldman Sachs versus Morgan Stanley. Two titans with two different takes on the world's biggest company. Let's get back to Melissa Lee and the Fast
6: Money Traders.
1: All right, well, you just heard the uh, scary voice setting up this segment. (laughs) We're talking about this call on Apple. In one corner, Goldman Sachs reiterating it's sell rating on the stock today, taking a cautious view on iPhone revenues headed into 2021. In the other corner, Morgan Stanley reiterating it's buy on the stock today, saying it will be a record holiday quarter for Apple. So gloves off. Who is getting it right? Pete, I'll go to you. What I thought was interesting was the analyst interpretation of one data point, and that is a long lead time. Goldman's saying the long lead time indicates that there's going to be a a mix shift in ASPs, meaning they're going to be selling 11s over 12s, whereas Morgan Stanley says this means that there is demand for this product.
5: Well, it's not only the demand, but I think that the biggest key, Mel, when I read through what Katie was talking about, she talked about products and she talked about services, and she also talked about some of the latest products, like this new AirPods, the, 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 the AirPod Max that they've got, that's $549, by the way. So when we look at this, I think the fact that she is focused far more on that particular area because of the margins, and meanwhile, the reiteration of a sell on a stock that's just coming off of essentially the all-time highs, um, it tells me that Katie's been right, she's been more consistent, and I think she's focusing on the right thing because we, I, we all know the 5G phone, at some point in time, that will be something that really will be a nice piece the, obviously, uh, the addition that Apple needs. But on the other side of it is they're focusing so much and she's focusing so much on where are they making the money? Where are they getting the margins? And I think that that's the most important question right now. And that's where the growth is. So I, I'm still leaning towards Katie and I still mm-hmm. think the upside. And I know she's got a price target well above where the stock is right now.
1: I mean, it is exceedingly rare on Wall Street to have a sell rating on any stock, let alone one of the most beloved and widely held stocks in the entire universe. Steve Grosso, So where do you stand on this?
4: Yeah, I'm going to go with Goldman just 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 because, you know, when you look at this, think about how much money has been spent uh, uh, away from the vacation world, away from all the things that we were doing outside of our house. It went into electronics. The further and the deeper we get into the rollouts of of the vaccine, we're going to see sort of uh, different behavior take effect. And I think people are going to be spending less money here. Now, I do love the services arm. We're honing in on $54 billion in revenue there with Apple. Everyone loves the Apple stock. I do think that we're going to see this thing turned down. And, and people look at it as a value play and a growth play. It can't be both. I think that you're going to see tech, tech selling spill out to the value tech in Apple, and I do think it's heading down. I, I, I don't know about Goldman's level, mm-hmm. but I do think that we're holding, uh, heading down to par, which is $100. Ah,
1: Interesting call there. All right, coming up, what might be the sweetest upgrade in history? But is it truly the hostess with the mostest? <laughs> don't forget to vote in our Twitter poll on Kate Faddis's Fast Pitch on Costco. There is still time. We'll have the results at the end of the show. Stay tuned. Uh, Breaking news here that we have just learned a SpaceX rocket, an unmanned rocket called the Starship, appears to have exploded upon landing. Once again, it is an unmanned rocket uh, that was launched by SpaceX. We are working to get some more information as soon as we get it. uh, We will bring that to you. Meantime, this is a hard left turn. I just warn you that Um, Twinkies. Let's talk about Twinkies. JP Morgan apparently loves Twinkies. The firm sees Hostess shares rising 35% here as they add the stock to their analyst focus list as a growth idea. You can read all about this tasty trade on our website. Head on over to cnbc.com/pro to sign up. Um, Guy, what? When is the last time you had a had a Twinkie? I'm
3: eating a Twinkie. You see that? <laughs> Not only am I eating a Twinkie, by the way. <laughs> Or I also went out and got some uh, ding dongs, which I love, and my personal favorite, <laughs> excuse the me, the ho hos. And Mel, do you know? Do you know the irony of the ho ho, Mel? Do you have any idea what the I irony there is? I don't know where
1: to start with that. So why don't you tell us?
3: They're actually they're actually illegal in Nevada. Go figure.
5: <laughs> uh, Pete, you have calls and <laughs> Twinkie
1: something. in hostess, I should say.
5: I. I do. We, when I saw that buying mill, I was absolutely shocked. I had never, I'd never even thought about that, but I, but I like the company, and, yep. they, and they have some strength there, so I decided to buy those calls, and I'm waiting for the upside now.
7: All
1: right, let's get to the poll results on uh, Kate Battis' fast pitch on Costco. Kate is in luck. The audience was buying in bulk. More than 65% of votes were in favor of Costco. Final trade time,
2: Tim Seymour. Difference between ring-ding and ding-dong? Anyway, buy Walmart. Walmart.
1: <laughs> Pete.
4: BFT. It's My not go with The good to me. BFT. All
5: right. Pete now. I'm going to go with Blackstone, Mel. BX. Guy.
3: PSX, Phillips 66, Levered Energy.
1: All right. Thanks for watching. Fast Feedback here tomorrow at 5. Mad Money with Jim starts right now.